Hi everyone, this is Jeff. And this is Russ. When we first started Home on the RNG, we began it as a series of videos, and we produced quite a few before we realized it really works better as a podcast. Whoops-a-doodle. So we apologize if any of these early episodes have any visually heavy references that don't transfer to the audio medium. Whoops-a-doodle. Thanks for listening. Your mother and I would like you to know <laughs> that we're very glad that you chose to join us we once are. again. We support anything that you do. We support whatever lifestyle you choose to lead because we love you. We do. I'm going to go get a drink. Um, we had a perfectly good joke going on in the night. No. Anyway, today... but um bum That sounds about right. Uh, I, I think I'm funny. The princess, our camera princess, who's over there, you can't see her, but she's over there, assures me repeatedly that I am not funny, and yet I persist in the belief that I am. Today, we're tackling a game that Russ chose. I did. I want to make it very clear that Russ chose this game. I did. This is Breath of Fire 1. Yeah, I did. And we're going to start with personal history. Like most every game that you're going to see on this series, um, I own it. <laughs> I own the Super NES cartridge of this one as well. Um, I've owned it since the 90s. It has the amazing um, Americanized or Westernized box art that uh, JRPGs were known for back in the day. Um, and I played it. I played it when I was young, and I probably haven't played it since which explains why I was so gung-ho about playing it for this review. And then, of course, you're going to hear my thoughts about it later in this review. Um, but again, this is my original cartridge. I'm not burning this one, um, and I'm also not giving it to Jeff. So um, that's it. I don't really have a personal history with this game. I played it for the first time five, six years ago. I was on a kick to try and play all these JRPGs that I never did growing up. That particular kick is what eventually became the seed for this project for Russ to revisit all these things and me to visit a lot of them for the first time. Uh, I played it back then. It came out in 1993. It's developed by Capcom. It kind of created the template for the series because a lot of the games in the series as it goes on, they all feature the same looking main character with the same default name. They all feature a winged girl named Nina who comes from Windia. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if they're all set in the same world or not, but it's very... This game did set the template for a very successful series. But my personal history with it is limited to... I played it five years ago, and I suffered through it again for this review. Long ago... 
there were dragons. And you are the descendant of a dragon of light. And there's this descendant of the dragon of dark who's trying to conquer the world. And you're going to stop him. That's it, pretty much. That's the story. Uh, the, it opens with the village of the light dragons being pretty much destroyed by the minions of the dark dragons. And you are going to go out into the world and beat up this evil bad guy. you got to find him first. Who knows where he is? Just go. Did you want to Riveting. talk about characters? Riveting. Um, I like the characters in this one. I think they tried at the beginning to make the characters interesting. Um, there is a section early in the game where you, you, know, you, you play the first section as your main character, and then he takes a nap, basically. Um, and then you can play Nina, um, the, little, the little bird girl. Um, I think that they were going for making the characters very interesting, or at least making her very interesting, and then I think they kind of dropped the ball <laughs> as the game went further. Um, but I liked the characters overall. I, I like the... It's a diverse cast, because there are anthropomorphic That's characters. True. So Nina is the... I say bird girl, she really just has wings. But then there's a, there's a wolf guy, there's a fish guy... There's like a ox guy whose name is literally Ox. Um, my favorite personal character is Blue, who Who's is a Lamia. She is a Lamia demigoddess mage, so I think she's outstanding. She's also way overpowered. Yeah, but I'm okay with that because she's on my side. Right. <laughs> uh, the anthropomorphic creatures you do give the cast. A, a, a lot of variants. There's a wide variety of characters, but it raises some questions in this world. Because at one point, you actually attend the wedding of a fox guy and a human woman. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm in support of this marriage of beast and man. You're a Trump supporter, right? No. I just, I'm not sure what to make out of it. Apparently, this world is a furry's paradise. Um, so, in terms of the, the, the actual storyline as you're playing, basically, you go from town to town trying to track down the dragons, and you kind of clear up all the troubles the town has along the way, and then you move to the next town, and every step along the way, you kind of hear, oh, I think the dark dragon's in this place over here, but the bridge is out, so you'll I have to go south. felt myself forgetting what we were actually doing a lot. I have that. Um... I'm going to have to read from my notes because I want to get this correct now. Because uh, I actually documented one of the quests early on. And then I documented a quest near the end of the game. So, uh, quests can involve a lot, so many steps that you lose track of your purpose. So, you need to undam a river. Right? Mm -hmm. In order to proceed, you need to undam a river. In order to undam the river, you have to raid a fortress and reveal a doppelganger of the local chief. Then find out that you have to use a giant robot to unblock the dam. But to do that, you have to go to the city of Agua. But to get to that city, you have to remove a zombie sit a zombie problem from a city that you visited before. To solve the zombie problem, you have to go to the city at night to get a water jug that has to be filled at the bottom of a dungeon. So then you do that. <laughs> you cure the zombie problem. Then you can get to the city of Agua. Then you can get the giant robot. Then you can unblock the dam. So I was like, I got to take these 15 steps down here to, and by the time you get down here, you have a really hard time remembering that this is what you were trying to do. It all makes perfect sense to me. No. 
the game is pretty decent about telling you where you need to go next until about halfway through the game. They're very clear, like, hey, you need to go to this city. It's south. Oh, hey, northeast of here is a city that could use your help. And I remember the specific moment when the game stopped helping you. You are told, you, we need some frog oil. You need to go to the Cave of Frogs. Okay. Where? The Cave of Frogs that we visited many times already. Never heard of this place before. No. The Cave of Frogs, as it turns out, is on an island in the middle of the ocean. So to find the Cave of Frogs, you have to travel along the ocean floor, trying to find anywhere you haven't been before. And when you find this one island, you go up onto the island, and there's a cave in there, and that's the Cave of Frogs. No hint how to find it. you got to search the oceans of the world. And this game does it a lot after that point. There is a lot of, I have to search the world to find where I'm going to go next and what I'm going to do next. Mm -hmm. And it breaks the tension because, and I've got this other one that I mentioned, leading up to the final boss fight. You yeah. and I actually talked about this one. This is This is almost the end of the game. Yeah. You think, you think you're right there at the home stretch. You're at the point now where any boss fight could be the last boss fight. You don't know, but you know any time now it's going to end. Because it's, you know, I'm not the real boss, I'm the real boss. Mm -hmm. So before the final boss fight, you're told that you need your mole to dig an entrance into the dungeon. And he says he can't do it. Okay, guess I'm done. Game over. No, what you have to do is you have to go back into his hometown and talk to the old people there. And they'll say, oh, we lost our treasure on the ocean floor. Now you have to know, just like you had to know to go to the mole's town, you have to know that you need that treasure to dig the hole. So you explore the ocean floor. And in a city on the bottom of the ocean, a character mentions, oh, there's an old lady who collects stuff. She bought it off me. So now you gotta search the world again. Luckily, at this point, Nina can turn into a bird and you can just fly and not have to get into random combat. So now you're exploring the world again. You have to find a hut in the middle of nowhere, on which lives an old lady. She collects weapons. She'll give you the thing, but first, she wants you to find her a friend. So you explore the world again. I think that old lady is going to be me in 40 years. I'm positive it will be. So you explore the world again, and you find an old man who collects weapons. And then you spend a good 20 minutes running back and forth between the two of them as they exchange letters. Then she gives you the item. Then you go back to the mole's hometown. And then the guy teaches you how to use the item to dig. Then you go back to the final dungeon. You use the item one time and it breaks. And now you are in the final dungeon. All of that, a good, if you know what you're doing, if you're doing a walkthrough, a good 20, 30 minutes of work, in between, oh my gosh, the end times are upon us, there is the fortress of the boss. We must defeat him. Do you have any letters you want me to deliver first, or? <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is this game is loaded with content that just artificially extends the time. That I would have rather done video. grinding. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So the combat system in this game is nothing to write home about either. 
Um, I think it's very limited. Most characters can generally just attack or use magic. Um, but not a lot of the characters know a lot of magic, so it kind of just comes down to attacking. Um, one of the most infuriating things for me about that is that Bo, who is the third character, he's the wolf man, he's the third character to join you, he learns, he starts out knowing a, a, a bit of offensive magic, but his AP is so low that it's difficult for him to even use any of it, and so you don't really get access to a true black mage until you get blue the most awesome character very late in the game um so it really limits what your characters can do in battle uh the combat choices are all pictographic it's all image based yeah. uh the characters have info on little cards at the bottom so it's your health uh how much damage you're taking how much ap you have uh and as you get hit or as you hit the enemy you actually see the change in health is represented by a colored bar, and the color changes as the bar lessens. Um, the most interesting, kind of frustrating for no reason part of the combat is when you're doing a boss fight. The bosses have a feature called Last Breath. Yeah. So you're beating this boss, you're fighting the boss, you're bringing his meter down, you see it go down, it hits zero, boom, killed the boss. No, that's when Last Breath kicks in. With their Last Breath, they get some health back. You have no way of knowing how much. Some bosses, it's a lot. Some bosses, it's a little. Some bosses don't have a Last Breath. But now you have to keep fighting, not knowing how much longer the fight will go on. The Which boss is battles are basically an exercise in patience. As so, you slowly, yeah. slowly dwindle. Very slowly. Very slowly. Especially the main character, Ryu, through the course of the game, learns how to take on different dragon forms. And for him to take on those dragon forms, he has to fight a boss by himself. Um, and those are the most tedious and excruciating boss fights in the game. Especially the first one, when he's learned no dragon forms. So literally all he can do is attack. Attack attack, attack. Herb, so attack, attack, herb, attack, attack, herb, attack, attack, herb. Back and forth, back and forth, attacking and using herbs until you just, you dwindle that, that bar down and it's so slow. The bosses have so much HP or you're just not doing a lot of damage and it's very tedious. But now, let's talk about the most fun topic for all of these reviews. Innovations, where we throw everything. I, I didn't enjoy this game that much. A lot of it, it, I didn't enjoy because of the flow stuff like we talked about before. It breaks up any kind of sense of drama or urgency. But I will admit, this game has a lot of innovations, a lot of things that it does differently from any other JRPG. Uh, it's the first game that we've played in this show that had an auto-battle system, mm -hmm. which I like for grinding. Uh, I'm not a big fan of grinding, but if you give me an auto-battle system, I can tolerate it a bit more. Also, this game is pretty good about making it clear where the good grinding spots are. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple of spots that particularly have enemies that grant a disproportionately high amount of XP and gil, or gold, or whatever it's called in this world. I forget. Zinni? Zinni? Zinni is what it's called in, the, in 3 and 4. 
Yeah. Gold, Gill, Zinni, Currency, whatever it's called. Uh, so it's nice knowing, okay, this is the spot to grind for mm -hmm. a while. So I like that. It has a day and night system. It does have a day and night system. Time passes as you're playing the game, and what's happening in a town and where people are changes based on whether it's day or night. I felt like it wasn't as good as the... Obviously, Dragon Quest One didn't have this, but I felt like the system wasn't as necessary, or they didn't use it as much as they do in like future Dragon Quest games. Yeah, but again, I... I this is one of the earliest examples I can think of of doing that, because it's a Super Nintendo game that has a day-night system with active time. Uh, and you do eventually... Dragon Quest did it first! Okay. Uh, you do eventually get items that will just make it nighttime. Make right. it daytime. So, that's... Dragon Quest did that first, too. There's basically no reason for you to keep talking about that, so go on. Okay. Uh... <laughs> It actually takes a frustratingly long time to get to your very first item shop. I didn't like that, because your first city is destroyed, the second city you get to is destroyed, there's no item shop there either, and there are monsters that can poison you. What game were you playing? Breath of Fire. And, and where, where did you, I'm just, where did you find this first item shop? The third city I went to? We'll go ahead and just let him believe that and move on. But, but that's what happened. I, I couldn't buy any antidotes, and, and, and the monsters were poisoning me. And I hadn't been to a city that sold antidotes, and I was having to reload so I didn't get poisoned so I could play the game. What, what happened? You just had a rust moment in Breath of Fire. <laughs> Wait, where, where can you buy stuff? The first town doesn't I'll, have an item shop. I'll let you go ahead and the second game. town doesn't have an item shop. I'll let you go ahead and play Where's the item shop? In the first town. The first town is destroyed. The first town has an item shop. It's got an old man and an old woman. That's it. That's all that exists in the so, first town. So, this is the best review yet. So, oh so did you explore the first town? It was destroyed. Why would I explore it? Just, okay. I just love that you had a rust. Which I don't think we've explained on a video yet, so we will have to explain that. Uh, Alright, I'll explain it so I can feel better about myself. Many, many years ago, uh, the princess, who again, you can't see, but she's over there. The princess was over at my place playing a game called Wind Waker, The Legend of Zelda, right? As many of you probably has. There's a particular puzzle where you have to pick up a ball, and you carry it over, and you drop it on a pad, and it unlocks a dungeon. Pretty simple. I didn't explain it to her. She was playing this game for the first time. She sees the ball. She picks it up. She runs over. Russ comes over. Russ swings by the apartment to visit. And he's watching her play this game. And she picks up the ball. She walks it over. And she puts it on the pad. It's about as simple a puzzle as you can get. And Russ says, you can pick that up? Because I didn't I, know. I spent so long, like, hitting it. Because if you hit it, it, it takes a couple seconds to disintegrate. So I just spent hours and hours hitting the thing, and it would roll, and I hit it, and it would roll. It took me forever. Mm -hmm. A little bit later, Princess is playing, and there's a swinging rope puzzle where you have to jump from rope to rope to rope. So Princess jumps on a rope. She stops swinging, readjusts herself a little bit, turns a little to the side, starts swinging again, and Russ goes, you can stop and turn? I didn't know that. 
I spent hours trying to figure out how to exactly line up my jump so that I go from one rope to the next. Russ is the greatest and worst video game player in the world. I'm a savant, basically. He can't see, any, he can't find any of this intuitive, natural yeah. stuff that Princess, and I would imagine most people, just pick up. They're just playing the game. They, I'm just going to pick this thing up. Russ goes, well, obviously I can't pick it up. I'm going to spend hours yeah, finding a way to solve I this did. puzzle. And I did. And he does. And I did. He manages to solve these puzzles in a way the programmers never imagined would be possible. And so that became the terminology for me and a lot of my friends. We, we text each other whenever we come up, and I, I, I just had it, apparently. <laughs> apparently, I just had my you-can-pick-that-up yeah. moment mm -hmm. because there is an item store that I, I could not like find. I would like to watch you go through Breath of Fire for the first three towns. With, did, no. you like, did you, like, restart every time you were poisoned? No, I had to say, no, because you find some antidotes in, like, chests and stuff. Right. So I it only got bad once. Because I was little, in a volcano or something? Yes, the little there are little bugs that poison you constantly. Yeah. It got to one point where I did have to load a state and try and avoid one battle. I wish there was video of that. There's not. Okay. Sorry. Um, speaking of odd little towns, there is one city where as you walk into the city for the first time, you walk through the city's graveyard. Does that city have no tourism bureau at all? Because when you design a city, maybe you don't want to put the graveyard right out front. Uh, back to real innovations, though. Uh, different characters in your party have different abilities on the overworld map, which leads you to, like, hunting, walking through woods, flying, turning into a fish, uh, opening traps, unlocking doors. That Whoever you put in the lead of your party has different abilities. The frustrating part is, though, you have to go through a menu and so many button pushes right. to change who's in the lead. So, I'll stop you there. Did you use the button shortcuts? Okay. <laughs> he didn't use the button shortcuts. So, anyone that would like to play this game for the first time know that there are button shortcuts to which you can assign different actions. I hate this game. I'm filing for abuse. So that kind of leads us to the hunting minigame, which is a neat idea, but horribly broken. Horribly executed, and yeah. If you have Bo in the lead of your party, he can fire a bow. Randomly, as you're walking around or come in or out of a com or come out of a combat, animals will appear on the world. Uh, there's like three, four different animals. And if you shoot them with a bow, they drop an item. And you pick up the item. And in the case of one of the monsters, it's an item called meat that cures everybody in the party a decent amount. It's actually, the stuff they drop is really useful. And in one case, a required story item. Yeah. The problem is, if you get too close to them, the animals run away from you. So you have to hunt them from a distance. After you kill them, you gotta walk over there and pick up the thing that they drop. At any point in this process, you can encounter a random battle. A random battle will reset whether or not there's animals at all, and any item that they drop is just gone. So here's my next question for you. This is my favorite review. So here's my next question for you. 
how is that how you went about getting the anytime you wanted meat? Um, I first of all, I know there's an item that can avoid. Thank you. That's what I was getting to. I was going to create some drama. No. As there, I, there is. I told you that there is an item that will stop all random battles, and it's super cheap and available. What's that later. item called, by the it's way? It's called Marble Three. What does Marble One do? Marble One gives you a critical hit. What does Marble Two do? Uh, I have no idea. So, Marble. <laughs> I'm supposed to look at my inventory and know that Marble One is used in combat to give a critical hit, but Marble Three avoids random combats right. on the world map. That's that's a good labeling. I like, I like to think that. that Marble Two lets you just instantly win the game. <sighs> yeah, I would have killed for it. So no, I I did not spend much time hunting because I didn't feel like using marbles. I saved them. I didn't buy. I don't buy a lot of stuff. And what was the, the item called so we can give a pro tip? Which item? The item that you need for the amnesia. Oh, quest. W antler. Yes, it's, it's the so white antler off the white. The white antler off the white deer. No. That there is one in a treasure chest. Don't ever in sell game, it. Don't so ever get rid of it. it. Oh my god! In your inventory until almost the end of the game. Uh, the equipment stores have a trade-in option. It took me the longest time to figure out what the little symbol for it was meant to be, because it looks like a dumbbell, yeah. but it's meant to be two arrows. No, I think it's really just meant no, to be a dumbbell. It's meant to be because you're swapping out an item, and you're and you're looking to see the strength of it. Well, you can do that even without the swap feature. You can look at the stats. But there is, we talk about buying equipment a lot in these reviews because it always bothers me. Breath of Fire does it right. Uh, because you have a couple different ways. You could just buy stuff, or you can actually compare the stats and trade in what you currently have. Which means if you don't quite have enough money for that next sword, you can try and swap it in. It'll be like, oh, I'll give you 5000 for that sword you've got, and now you can afford it. So there you go. So that's kind of nice. They give you five seconds worth of credit, where I've played games before where if you want to do that, you actually have to unequip the only sword you've got. Sell that sword. Now I can buy the new sword. So this game at least prevents that. Uh, hunting is horribly broken. Fishing is just dumb. Yeah. There's a fishing system, uh, but you automatically win, provided you have the right rod and the right bait equipped. And there's five different rods, and some of them are stronger than others. One of them lets you fish in wells. And you have to do it to get the true ending. Yeah. In order Which to get the odd. in order to get the ultimate dragon armor, you have to go fishing in wells on the world map. So you have to find wells in the middle of nowhere and sit down and fish in them to get your dragon armor. Um, there's actually a couple of cameos from other games. Arthur from Ghost and Goblins. His picture shows up in a lot of little houses. Mm -hmm. And Chun-Li actually shows up. If you meet the right set of circumstances, Chun-Li from Street Fighter shows up for just a second. Uh, I like that occasionally at the end of a long quest, the game will fast travel you back. Like if you have to right. go into a dungeon to do something. Oh, good, we did that thing. Let's go back to the town. Whoosh! Mm -hmm. Thank God for that. These Marble 3. I, I knew about Marble 3. I used Marble 3, all right? I, I really like that characters who aren't currently in your party level up as well. Yeah, they get experience as that well. That is a pet peeve of mine in games where that doesn't happen, so that is fantastic. Uh, like a lot of games, uh, a lot of JRPGs, this was a fantasy game with some sci-fi elements because you had the giant stone robot mm -hmm. who got depressed and threw himself into a volcano. Did, that was sad. 
Yeah, you get the giant stone robot that commits suicide. Um, I didn't like that the cutscenes would change your party members or unfuse them, which I guess we should have addressed first. But. Yeah, I was going to talk about the fusing. I really like right the fusing. Um, one character in your party named Karn, who is nothing to write home about on his own, has and originally was black, but when he came to America, they made him white. I did. I didn't even know that. I learned that researching I this review. They did, well. They white-faced him. Yes. And I understand why they do that, because for those of you that don't know, um, representations of black people in anime and Japanese sort of games are not often the most flattering. So I actually can see them doing that. Are you saying that making the thief of the party a black guy yeah, is that's wrong? What, that is exactly what I'm saying. And they usually draw them with, like, the... Like the lips from the awful things from the 20s. For the record, I swear, yeah. I have black friends. I don't know about rugs. <laughs> so, That's what I'm saying. It's terrible. So I can see why they made it. So point. I can't be racist because I have black friends. That's how that works. I was given a memo. I don't know about Russ, though. Russ may be secretly racist. So anyway, Karn, And we know the princesses. Karn, who is not a character to write home about on his own has an ability where he can transform, he can take other party members and merge them with himself and then make these super characters. Um, and they take on the traits of whoever merges. The only characters that can merge with him are Bo, the Wolfman, Gobi, the Fishman, and Ox, the Oxman. And all of them merge together with Karn, make one of four different um, merged characters. So there's Shin, who's a wolf fish guy, and then there's Debo, who is a wolf. I think Debo can only be done underwater. Debo can only be done underwater. And it's Gobi, who's the fish guy, and Ox, maybe. And I liked Doof. Doof is the big strong guy. Doof is the strong man. You need Doof in order to unlock other secrets. There's a lot of secrets in this game. Yeah, there's a lot of hidden, hidden rooms and things. There's a lot of secret abilities for the main character to unlock. And even some of these transformations, each of these four transformations, you have to find the guy to teach you, and right. they're all hidden. And the you Buddha. could you could play the entire game and never find these transformations. And I don't think when I played it back in the day, I don't think I found Doof or Puka. Puka is like the ultimate transformation. Yeah, Puka's he's, amazing. He's all of the guys transformed together, and he's this little he's a little flying dragon. He's like a dragon seahorse duck thing, and he's green, and he yeah. And he has 999 HP. Yeah. Um, so I like, I really like that, that transition. Yeah, because what it does, I often have this problem in JRPGs where I like having a choice of characters. But inevitably, I pick the characters I want and that's it, I'm done. Like, I want this character, this character, this character. I never play against these other characters. This ability to fuse kind of gives you the ability to still feel like you're using those other party members, mm -hmm. that they're still a part of the team, right. that they're still doing something. Uh, although the problem is, as I mentioned earlier, when you have a cutscene and your characters come out and they have their little dialogue, it will rearrange your party based on whoever was in the cutscene. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that'll be right before a boss fight. Right. I had that happen once where it changed my lineup and then made me fight a boss. I was like, <laughs> but, but I don't want the fish guy. I don't use the fish guy. He's terrible on his own. Yeah. Why are you giving me the fish guy? Uh, and it unfuses you. And I just spent all... Once I got the ability, that's it. I was always fused. Yeah. 
there's no reason not to. There's no cost to it. Uh, and there's a similar thing that happens with the drag with the main character. He gains these abilities to turn into more and more powerful dragons. The final of which he actually fuses with whoever's in the party right. during the combat and becomes this ultimate dragon. I found that the dragons weren't really useful at all outside of boss fights. No, but yeah. in a boss fight, you just turn him into a dragon and let him go. Uh, and in order to find all of those, you have to find all the hidden dragon armor. You have to, and then you, the final dragon transformation is hidden at the bottom of a dungeon that you already beat near the beginning of the game. You just have to explore and, oh, hey, at the bottom of that one dungeon, there was a lake, right? And I went to the lake and I filled up the thing. But then, 18 hours later, I got the ability to walk around underwater. I should go back to that lake and see if there's right. something under the water. <laughs> This game is just so incredibly, one of the most frustrating things. I'll do, I'll do the most frustrating thing and then I've got kind of a neat thing. So one of the most frustrating things is the quest. There's a fun little bit of a time travel story. I like it, it's actually I well liked, done. Yes, I like um, it as well. It was handled well, uh, cool, not neat. Little tiny side story about time travel and it requires you to get an amnesia potion. And so this character, you, you, somebody tells you there's a doctor somewhere. So you go to that city and that doctor says, okay, I need these four ingredients. Go find them. And the game, first of all, the items are called things like W ant. That's white antler off of a white stag. How do you know that? You don't. C nut. He just tells you, you need a C nut. Guess what? You can't buy C nut anywhere. It's not for sale. What you have to do is go to a tropical island, go up to one of the palm trees, have the big strong character Ox in the front, and have him punch a palm tree to drop a coconut. That's how you get sea nut. And I don't even remember what the two other things are, but it's equally, or uh, one of them is an item you can buy in stores. But then W ant, sea nut, and the other thing are just, here's an item, scour the entire world, touch everything with everyone, and hope you can find it. I don't, I, I never could have beaten this game without following the walkthrough. No. And I had to follow it religiously, step for step. Right. Uh, I got through maybe the first third of the game without one, and then I just had to turn one on, because I had no clue what to do anymore. This game does that to you so often. Go to the frog cave. It promotes exploration. Again, I have to try and put myself back in the mind of the time the game came out. Yeah. When there wasn't the internet, where there wasn't a thousand other things I could be doing. If I want to enjoy this right. game, all right. I guess part of the fun was exploring this entire world and figuring out everything. And I didn't even know. You're the one who mentioned to me, and you can go ahead and cover it. There's multiple endings. There are, if you don't get the dragon armor like we were talking about in the well, and therefore you don't get the ultimate dragon summon, then you get a bad ending. Um, you have to have the ultimate dragon form to get the good ending of the game, and there is there there is a bad there is a bad ending. Um, if you don't do that, and I know because that's the ending that I got. <laughs> when I first played this game. <laughs> Since I was following the walkthrough, I got the good ending. I did not know there was a bad ending. Um, this is the, also the third game of the four games that we've reviewed where the villain offers to let you join his side. <laughs> uh, let's see, in Great Greed, it ends to a cutscene that lets you makes you redo the decision endlessly over and over. 
In Dragon Quest, it just kills you game over. In this game, the final, the, the henchman of the final boss says, join my side. And if you do, he asks you to stand still. Just wait right there until I'm ready for you. If you move, he gives you the option to go ahead and fight him anyway. And I think he takes off some health every time you move because you're not listening to him. So if you just stand there still for five minutes or so and don't do anything, he gets bored and fights you. So you can technically <laughs> join the bad guys, but it doesn't it doesn't do anything. It doesn't have any effect. Uh, and then lastly, the the there was a dream world that was actually kind of persona-esque in the concept. Because you meet the fragmented personality parts. So you're crazy. You So you're a crazy person. You meet the fragmented personality parts of the mole. I hate I'll just say this. I hated the mole man. He's because useless. He's useless, and it had gotten to a point in the game where I was just ready to beat the damn dark dragon. <laughs> yeah, you get him near the very end of the game, very and at that point, you're just like, you know what, I've got my party. I don't yeah, need you. It's like you're just extending the whole reason. That's great. You here. can dig. Now I can find more secret stuff. So I'll just take your word for that, that that was interesting because I wasn't really paying attention. I, it, I, I find it interesting where you give all the different aspects of the personality their own character to talk to. And then they had that boss that, instead of being able to see how much damage it had, it actually started out as like four blocks of color. And yeah. as you damaged it, it resolved into higher resolution until it actually became something you could see. Uh, although the spinning dungeon was you know, inexcusably <laughs> difficult. <laughs> all, all things just to extend the... The playing time. There's a, uh, there's a dungeon where you have to walk on, it's just thin rails. The whole dungeon is thin rails going up in all these directions. And every now and again, there's a square. When you step on one of those squares, the whole dungeon spins around, and now you don't know which way is north. You don't know which way you just came from. And it's not one of those where, okay, if I pay, if I pay very close attention, I can actually see, okay, so that one's now that way. No, that doesn't work. It, it actually spins around fast enough that you can't keep track of it. So it's just frustrating. I can't imagine how to solve that without a walkthrough either, other than taking forever. Yeah. This 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 was back from a day when there were just fewer games. So if you needed, you're beating me again. You made me play this game. If you needed to spend hours and hours just trial and error, you could because there weren't a million other games you could be playing. All right. So we're done with the bulk of the review, but we still got music. So I've got my fun little research here again. So Russ will read the name, but I want to, it's very interesting. There, it's a composer team. And I've got four composers listed here. One of which did music for Mega Man 3. One of which did music for Mega Man 5. One of which did music for Mega Man 4. And then one of which does Kingdom Hearts and Xenoblade Chronicles. And of course the Mega Man series is known for having really good music. And I'm sure these people also probably did work on future Breath of Fire games. Probably. But uh, Russ will now read the names, and oddly, three of these four are female composers. Oh, well, good for them. Um, Yasuaki Fujita did Mega Man 3. Uh, Mari Yamaguchi did Mega Man 5. Uh, Mine Uji did Mega Man 4. And Yoko Shimomura did Kingdom Hearts, Parasite Eve, and Xenoblade Chronicles. 
So they, and apparently um, she's relatively famous. I just don't, I don't, like you, I don't keep up with music. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was decent. I mean, there, it, was, it was, it was fine. It was very stirring. And there were very places. few games that I have really been, like, felt something about the soundtrack. Or... It didn't, it, it did not attract attention in a negative way. It did its job. Uh, that's as good a review as I can give the music. It was dramatic at the dramatic points. Uh, it was fighty at the fighty points. Yeah. I don't know. Judge for yourself. Uh, I don't even know if you know this, but in the review, I use music from the game for each of the transitions. Mm -hmm. So, the judge for yourself. Judge for yourself. And now, for our final thoughts. So, I selected this game for us to play, and I selected this game because I had fond memories of it when I played it. Oh, roughly 18 years ago. <laughs> um, what I learned is um, that nostalgia glasses are a very, very strong thing. I didn't absolutely hate the game, but I did not love it in the in the in the way that I loved it in my mind, in the way that I just fondly remembered it. Um, overall, I think I would give this game a C plus. I liked the characters. I liked Nina and Blue, the female characters, um, the best. I liked Nina because they gave her some interesting plot points, and I liked Blue because, like I said, she's just a Lamia mage, and she's a badass. Um, but overall, the, the really lackluster, really boring combat system, and the fact that the game just doesn't tell you anything really about what you're supposed to do after a certain point, and that it's filled with a lot of content that isn't really meaningful to the story. The highest grade that I can really give this game is a C plus. I actually have to agree with Russ. C plus is about as good a grade as I can give it. There are certainly elements in the game that are laudable, that are good. Uh, a lot of the characters are interesting. A lot of the story elements are interesting. Uh, the the stone robot giant that kills itself because the bad guys made it wipe out a, a village. It's interesting. I mean, it's a good story element. But again, the game so often just seems to get mired down in, in order to get from A to B, you have to do H, J, I, Z, and P. In that order, though, it's no more. It's so frustrating, especially at the end. Like, okay, time for the final battle. No, wait, I have to do a postcard messenger service back and forth between two old people so they can be friends. It has no sense of flow. It's trying to do so much, and it just it missed the mark on several points. I like the story. I even kind of like the basic premise, because it's, hey, kid, go defeat this great evil that's conquering the world. What? So I go to a town, and this town's got troubles. Okay, I'll help them out. So you're kind of on this journey. There's a sense of not knowing where to go next. That makes sense for the character, but given the story. And then you're told to go to the frog cave, and I'm just done. So if you would like to play Breath of Fire, um, it is available on the Wii U, um, or on a Super NES cartridge. I believe there was Game also Boy Advance, yeah, there was, a, there was a remake or a port or something for the Game Boy Advance. So that's where you can find it. And because Russ made me play this game again, because Russ forced me to play this game with no sense of flow or narrative style, Russ, 
For our next review, you're going to play Arcana. And you're going to play Arcana too. Shit! Hate the show! Home on the RNG is a presentation of Mad Centaur Productions. You can find Jeff on youtube.com slash centaur productions or on Twitter at Jeff Centaur. You can find Russ on Twitter at RussMac25. Thank you for listening, and remember, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this podcast with you.